This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Here we go! Listening to the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Emerald Flow Show. My name is Gerard DeTrolio, and I'm here with Paul Vosch, and we're part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. You can follow us on all podcasting apps. And if you're following us on Apple Music, please be so kind as to leave us a five star review. And if you're so inclined, visit voicesofwrestling.com slash donate and you can donate to our podcast but there's no expectation of that and any donation is greatly appreciated well paul uh, it was a pretty big weekend in wrestling uh we won't talk about it too long but did you uh celebrate wrestlemania weekend in any way not as much as i thought i would to be honest i did watch a bit of stuff but not really all that much uh, I did watch Bloodsport, though, and we actually had two future Noah people on there. And actually, one of them I actually came away with being really impressed with because Ninja Mac had a match on Bloodsport, and I thought that was an actually like really, really good match. That was like the best Ninja Mac match that I have seen. And if that's the Ninja Mac that we get in Noah, then I'm going to be really excited about him being a Noah. Yeah, I missed Bloodsport, but I ended up watching way more uh, than I was expecting. Um, like I ordered the, or I subscribed to honor club just to watch the ring of honor show. And, uh, I ended up watching, um, both nights of joy Janela's spring break, which I kind of regret. I watched black label pro. <laughs> I watched, um, both nights of WrestleMania and I oh, watched my. the, um, I watched the WrestleCon super show, which was actually mostly pretty good. And I watched a bit of the impact show, which is relevant because we had some Noah representation on, on the impact show with uh, Noah representative Eddie Edwards taking on uh, Tomohiro Ishii in that what actually turned out to be a really great match. But it's funny because uh, Edwards is like turned heel recently and his whole shtick is like, Oh, impact doesn't care about me. So I'm going to represent 
pro wrestling Noah instead, which is sort of funny because I think a lot of people are like, see Noah as a bit of a heel promotion these days. I mean, hey, yeah, I mean, makes sense. I actually like, I really hope that that also means that he will make a return to Noah because he's always been pretty good in Noah. And I think he would be like a really nice addition as well. But obviously we have like a different crop of foreigners coming in now, but maybe Eddie will come in at some point down the line as well, especially now that Japan is opening up again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just today they've basically opened up the borders, not to tourists, but for everyone else. So I'm going to assume that it's going to be, I'm sure there's a backlog, but it's going to be a lot easier to get visas anyway for the wrestlers. Yeah, especially most importantly, they've opened the border to Malta now. So you know what that means. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And speaking of uh, foreigners that have been in all Japan, I guess one thing we could touch on, because we're not really a New Japan podcast, but Will Ospreay posted a video and it's pretty clear that Francesco Akira is coming into the United Empire as the new member. I can't say I'm surprised. If you followed Akira on social media, you'd see that he's been, he hangs out with Will Ospreay when they're in Japan together and everything like that. They've worked Red Rev Pro shows together. I kind of expected that Akira would have been back in all Japan earlier this year, but then the Omicron wave hit. And I think that sort of put the kibosh on that. And now he's gone. So, I mean, I wish him the best. I mean, I don't blame him at all. He's he's going to no doubt a much uh, higher payday and exposure, and that's going to get him probably bookings eventually in the United States. But I mean, I just wish him the best of luck. Yeah, no, it is a shame. Like I actually would have liked him to like to see him to get a proper farewell in all Japan. I mean, he kind of got a farewell though at the end of his last all Japan tour. So yeah, I mean, it kind of felt time for him to move on as well. Like I would have loved him to see him back in all Japan, but. I think he kind of had like a very logical end to his run as well. But like he did finally win the title and everything. So I think that was a nice thing. Going to be interesting to see what he does in New Japan. I really hope that they put him in the same block as Shima in the best of the Super Juniors and then force Shima to put him over. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing I would say that's probably working against him, even though he's sort of Osprey's guy, is that he is pretty small even by New Japan Junior standards. I think the only wrestler that might be smaller than him is Taiji Ishimori, but Ishimori obviously has a history and certain aura to him. So I don't know if he's just going to be, you know, at best, well, I don't even know if he could be tag team, a junior tag team champ because he doesn't have a, another junior partner in United Empire. So I mean, TJ, TJP, I guess. That's quite the duo. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. Um, but I think given what they're giving him with like a surprise and everything like that, I think he has a decent chance of um, making something of it. Yeah. And I mean, generally people in like United Empire, like they're all pushed strong as well. So I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't like, I don't think he's, well, yeah. I mean, I feel kind of bad for him, but like at this point, yeah. But I, I mean, like, and again, he's going to be the only junior in the faction as well. So I would say that he's probably going to get a good run and like best of the super juniors at the very least to like establish him right out of the gate. So, and then everything else after that, I mean, yeah, we'll see. What size is he compared to like someone like Kushida? I bet you Kushida's bigger than him. Is he that small? I don't know. For some reason, he's not that small in my head. Maybe he is. Yeah, he was the smallest junior in all Japan. Yeah, because like my, that was always like kind of like my thing where it's like, okay, if they're, the same size as Kushida, they have a chance. And if not, then it gets a bit dicey. But 
Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, he is uh, bigger than Taiji Ishimura, I'm pretty sure, or at least taller than Ishimura. I don't know, yeah, because I'm trying to think of it in my head, because in my head, Kushida was always like the smallest one, but I don't think him and Ishimori were in New Japan at the same time. No, I don't. Or maybe briefly cross paths, but I think within like six months, uh, Kushida was gone. Um, so one thing that we forgot to talk about on the last episode was the Great Voyage 2022 in Yokohama on March 13th. Uh, we're not going to go over the whole show. It was the mat, the show with the um, GHC Tag Team Title Tournament and the um, junior, GHC Junior Heavyweight Title Change where Ada uh, defeated Daisuke Harada. Um, just some thoughts of that show, Paul? Um, yeah, I mean, it was a solid show overall. I uh, was a little surprised to see Ada win the title from Harada. I really thought Harada would go into the Sumo Hall show as champion but obviously kind of makes sense to put the title on Ata as well since he is probably the biggest star and like the biggest draw in the junior division because he has drawn in Dragon Gate so I guess that makes sense if you want to sell like additional tickets to Sumo Hall yeah and we'll talk about that Sumo Hall show in a minute uh but I, I thought it was a good match but I was somewhat disappointed I thought they could have a real banger and it was just like I don't know like three and a half star thing mm-hmm. Well, but to be fair, I mean, that's kind of, I think, a mistake we've been making with Ata and Noah in general, because we're always thinking of, like, well, this is the Ata from, like, Dragon Gate, but we don't get Dragon Gate Ata and Noah, because they are always, like, a lot more stake heavy than they would be even as a heel in Dragon Gate. So, and it seems like he's, like, working a bit differently in Noah than he would be in Dragon Gate as well. So I think it's, like, we need to kind of like adjust expectations for Ata matches and Noah compared to like Ata matches in Dragon Gate. Right. He's playing to like the Paris Del Mal stable expectations, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what do you think of the tag title tournament? Uh, I've, I'm, I like those matches as well. I think those matches were really, really good. Uh, I mean, I am a fan of Hideki Suzuki, so I'm happy with the outcome of the tournament and it was the expected outcome of the tournament as well. I thought all four, uh, all four, all three tournament matches uh, were pretty good. I don't think anything was anything blow away really, but like I had a good time watching all three matches, and I think uh, every all four teams worked pretty hard as well. And I actually probably I probably liked the final the most. Like I actually did have a feeling at times that maybe Inaba and Kaito could actually pull this off and win. But yeah, I mean, in the end, uh, I think we both predicted this, uh, the team of Segura and Suzuki to win, and then they did in the end. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought the whole tournament was pretty damn good. Uh, I actually think my favorite match was Kiyomi and Inaba versus Marafuji and uh, Mochizuki, actually. And with Inaba like, getting the biggest win that he's gotten to date uh, since coming to Noah when he you know, got the backslide uh, pin on Marafuji. Um, the only other thing I'll say about the tournament is though, uh, of Noah's four heavyweight champions, three are over 50 and the other one is over 40. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's nice that they're at least giving like a young boy, like Hideki Suzuki, a chance to like show what he can do this early in his career. (laughs) No, I mean, it, I mean, it is definitely concerning. I mean, it is a thing that we've been talking about for a while with Noah. I mean, for now I'm going to wait and see what the landscape looks like after the Sumo Hall show and also kind of the number that you draw at the Sumo Hall show. 
because I think that's really gives us like a better idea of kind of the long-term path of the company. Yeah, I don't think in isolation it's a bad thing at all. I just think it's not, this doesn't look good. The optics are bad is basically my take on it, even though the tournament was pretty great. So, um, and I like, I guess we'll get to it later, but I don't know what's going to happen in that tag title match uh, that they have coming up against Congo and it might make Congo look like some geeks. <laughs> I fully expect Hideki and Figura to retain because I think the Congo, there's, like, there's an angle coming there with, with, with like Keno and Nakajima after that match. Right. And so uh, this show happened just after we recorded our last episode on March 24th. Uh, Noah at Corican Hall, uh, 441 fans, which is not great, but in sort of slightly better than some of the other shows they've done in Corican Hall. Uh, this was main evented by GHC national title. Uh, Masakatsu Funaki defeated Hideki Suzuki in eight minutes and 14 seconds with an ankle hold. I like this match. I thought there was some great technical work. I like the ending where it was sort of like Funaki sort of outsmarting Suzuki and just catching him in that ankle hold. And then Suzuki had no choice to tap. But I will say, you know, as much as I like the work as like some sort of like, you know, technical like wrestling nerd, I think you got to put on a slightly more spectacular main event, you know? Yeah. I mean, I like the match as well. Uh, I generally like striking Funaki more than I like roll on the mat Funaki. I think in this case it helped that he was in there with someone that's really, really good at mat wrestling like Hideki Suzuki. So I like this mo uh, more than I normally would kind of like a uh, Funaki goes to the mat match. But I think it definitely would have helped a little bit to have like a bit more striking in there. And I actually would have liked this match maybe to go like a little bit longer as well than just eight minutes. Like I think maybe you could have like gotten like another two minutes in there and like maybe get like a little bit of striking in there to like just to like vary it up a little bit but I think for it was good for what it was but yeah I mean as you said like it didn't necessarily really feel like a main event it's kind of like I definitely like I would have liked this even more if it had just been kind of like a mid-card match but like just like to have like an eight minute kind of main event that just kind of ends as well like just has kind of this like out of nowhere finish as they had on this one felt a little bit weird yeah but i mean that's kind of what you're going to get with funaki as a champion right i think his matches are, are are definitely shorter i think in part due to his age but i mean he's had some like eight nine minute awesome matches like his match against uh, nakajima in the n1 semifinals that went like eight minutes about the same amount of time and that was great so it's really sort of like the layout. And they were, of course, just kicking the shit out of each other in that one. No, I mean, that, and that's what I mean. Like, I like, like, just kick Funaki more than I like grapple Funaki. And we got grapple Funaki here. But I do think that we got, like, the best version of grapple Funaki in this match. Right. And the semi-main event saw Keno, Katsuhiko Nakajima, Manabu Soya defeat Takashi Sugera, Go Shiozaki, and Kaido Kiyomi in 21 minutes and four seconds with the referee stop. Um, with uh, Keno getting the choking out, uh, Sugera would set up the tag title match. Uh, I thought this was pretty good semi-main. It actually sort of felt like the main in, in a lot of ways. Do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, no, I thought this was really, really good. Uh, Noah just has kind of perfected the art of the semi-main six-man tag. 
And especially if Congo is in there, like they're just really cohesive unit, more like in a wrestling style rather than in kayfabe, because I think there is some uh, dissension there or like starting to build. But I think like when they're in there, like wrestling together, like they've just kind of perfected this kind of style as well. And I was really happy to see as well, to see Keno get a win and by like choke out as well. I think that was a really nice touch and that kind of like rebuilt, like re-established him as like a credible threat as well to like just choke out a current champion so that was a really good job of like establishing him as a credible challenger for a title at the sumo hall show and uh i'm not going to go through the whole card here because it's a lot of it just no mid card but also on the show we paid off from anaba's like shocking upset over marfuji in the tag title tournament when marfuji beat daiki anaba in 17 minutes and 14 seconds with the shin tiger king i really like this um i i think i'm probably a lot higher on Mar- marfuji these days than a lot of people and i just thought this was a really solid match that told the story of marfuji coming for his revenge no i just always like i think i really like marfuji whenever he's in there with anaba it's just for some reason, like, I don't know, like, I would assume it's not actual hatred, but it just always feels like Marufuji just absolutely hates Daiki Inaba and he just always beats the shit out of him. And that's regardless of what match they're in. Like, it can just be, yeah, I mean, it can be like an actual match with stakes, like the tag title tournament match. It can just be like a singles match like this one. Or it can just be like a random six-person, eight-person tag team match. Like whenever they're in the same match together, Marufuji seems to just always gun straight for Inaba and just always go straight after him. So like I don't think we've ever really gotten like a reasonable explanation of that. But then again, we don't always need one. And I think just whenever these two are like in the ring with each other, like it is always a lot of fun. Yeah. And then in the match that set up the main event on the N Innovation Sumo Hall show, uh, Stinger team of Hayata, Yoshinari, Ogawa, and Yuya Susumu defeated uh, Paris Dalmao, Dehapan, uh, Nosawa, Rangai, Eita, and Kataro Suzuki in one minute and 44 seconds uh, when um, hit, Hayata hit the headache on Eita. I mean, I guess this was a shocking win to sort of hype things up, but I also think it sort of gave away what the result of the Sumo Hall main event is because they're not going to have Ada, an outsider from Dragon Gate, <laughs> lose in less than two minutes in a six-man tag and then drop the title. I mean, maybe, but then again, he is an outsider. So, like, it could just be that that's the end of Ada and Noah, but I don't really feel like that. Like, it feels like he's just kind of set, set, really settling in as a regular. But, I mean, he is kind of getting a bit more stuff to do in Dragon Gate as well. So I'm not 100% sure that that's that he's going to retain the title. I think it's very likely that he will, but I could also see them just putting it back on Hayata right away, or not right away, because it's been like half a year now. So I'm not half a year. It's, eh, I don't know. Like I wouldn't put the title back on Hayata, but I could very easily see them do that. Right, because, yeah, because Harada's reign was only a couple of months and we were coming off of a long Hayata reign. I mean, but he is, like, there's a reason why they put him in the main event of that show, because he is kind of the biggest, like, like they're of, like, the guys that are signed to Noah. He's probably the biggest drawer in the junior division. Like, he always gets, like, merch, like, whenever they do, like, merch presentations, he's always there. Like, he has quite a few fans, so... 
if they do want to like continue like have like the end innovation shows and have someone that can like draw a crowd like probably worse choices than Hayata as far as no assigned people go but I mean obviously they can still draw with like someone like Ata on top it's just obviously that he's not signed to Noah the only other match of note I'd say on the show um, Masato Tanaka defeated Daisuke Harada in 13:45 with the sliding D uh, this was really good it was a perfect length for a Tanaka match you know Tanaka dominated and then Harada tried to make his heroic comebacks but then Tanaka put him away I definitely say like if you watch basically from this match onward to the main event that's really all you need to see on this show yeah pretty much yeah it was a fun match uh yeah i don't don't really have much to say on this otherwise it was fun to watch but obviously like nothing blow away but you can definitely like use your time worse than spend it to watch this match yep and then on April 3rd, Noah held this part of the, as this part of the Step Forward 2022 tour. They, show, they had a show in Ganma, which was the sort of retirement show for referee Akihiko Fukuda. Um, Fukuda started in um, All Japan. He was in the ring crew. And then he uh, became a referee in 1987 in the aftermath of uh, Ricky Choshu and his guys jumping back to New Japan because that took Tiger Hattori back to New Japan. And All Japan was just left with two referees, um, Joe Haguchi and Kohei Wada. So Baba made uh, Fukuda a ref. And then he jumped to Noah in 2000 and has been working since then. He's going to continue to work behind the scenes in Noah, but he's not going to be refing any matches. And thanks to Hisame for sort of translation and providing the history of a Fakuda. Um, so also on the show, uh, Kohei Wada decided to bring his uh, sharp referee skills to uh, Noah. Um, and it was sort of funny because he refereed the like the uh, Stinger versus uh, Perosa match and he was arguing a lot with Nosawa, which was sort of funny to see. Yeah, it, it was kind of bizarre to see Wada in a Noah shirt. I'm not going to lie. It was like, oh, this is weird. This, this, this feels wrong in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's uh, refed in Noah before. Yeah, but, you know, like, obviously, like, he's so clearly tied to all Japan. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, he's done it before, but but it's, like, it's still kind of, like, it feels wrong to see him in anything but, like, an all Japan ref shirt, really. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny him uh, fighting with Nosawa because... Uh, you know, Nosawa is a Mudo guy and Wada and Mudo did not see eye to eye. And that's why he left sort of from 2011 till 2013 when the Wrestle One split happened in part over the incident involving Taru and Nobukazu Harai. Um, so there's no love lost there, I think, oh, honestly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> good thing. Yeah, I mean, oh, good thing that Mudo is currently injured. But I mean... No, Sava has worked all Japan, though. Um, oh, that's right. Yes, he was yeah. Black Tiger 7. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. There's no way to prove that he, that, that was Nosava. Despite, yeah, that definitely, like, it's just, he just randomly disappeared at the same time as Nosava started turning up in Noah. Uh, what I'm actually wondering about is, like, if Vara is, like, at these kinds of shows and sees, like, guys retire that, like, started roughing, like, way after him. You think the thought ever crosses his mind of like hanging up the boots or is he just like committed until either they like force him to retire or until he dies? Um, 
he doesn't retire the next year. I think he's going to do it until he can no longer block, basically. I mean, because he the, turned 65 a year or two ago. I mean, so. they have stopped putting him in the like New Year's Battle Royal now. Right. Yeah. He, he got like really badly injured one year. Yeah. I mean, and he only rests a couple of matches the show, but he's still in the main events, which is the thing, right? And that's yeah. what really, like, if he was just doing um, mid card six man tags, it would be one thing, but he's doing triple crown matches. Yeah. And it was actually kind of like what, like, Nosawa was like chewing him out over as well. It was like him taking forever to get down for the count. <laughs> well, and Nosawa is not wrong in this case. No, he's not. <laughs> um, and so the main event of that was sh- show was uh, Takashi Sugera, Naomichi Marafujin, Go Shiozaki defeating Kaido Kiyomiya, Masa Kitamiya, and Deki Inaba in 25-25 when Shiozaki pinned Inaba after the Goan Lariat. Uh, pretty good main event. Uh, your standard Noah six man, as we mentioned at the, um, and you mentioned talking about the last show, just they've got a great formula down, lots of hard hitting and, you know, and it really makes, I think like a 20, 25 minute match fly by. Yep. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, as I talked about before, they just, they just have kind of perfected this kind of exact kind of style of match. And they always deliver. Uh, Whenever I say, I would say they rarely deliver at like a really super high level, but they're always like great fun to watch and they always fly by. Like the, you, you, you always like come to the end of this match and you look at like the clock and it's like, oh, that's how long they went. This felt like they always feel like 10, five minutes shorter than they actually are, which is good. Right. And then second from the top was a GHC Junior Tag Team title match. Atsushi Kotoge and Yohei defeated Tadasuke and Hajime Ohara in 1756 with a drop kick from Yohei on Tadasuke uh, for their second successful defense of the title. I really liked this. I thought it was good. It was like nonstop action. Um, Yohei didn't really get in the way. Um, Kotoge is great as always. And uh, Tadasuke worked really hard here. Yep. No. Uh- Tadasuke has just really, really stepped up his game this year. Like he might be like so far in 2022, he might be like my vote for like most improved wrestler so far this year. Cause yeah, I thought he was just kind of not that great previously, but he's just been good all year so far. Uh, and he was good here as well. And I like that Yohei has now established kind of having a drop kick as his finisher. And it also looks like it looks like it, it actually he managed to make a drop kick actually look like a finisher. Because the dropkick that he delivered to Tadasuke here, like it was just straight to the head and just knocked him out and got the pin. Yeah, I mean, by dropkick standards, it certainly looks credible. Yeah. Um, the only other thing, I guess, we sort of talked about it before, but obviously, you know, the match that Wada refed, it was um, Ada Nosawa and Kotaro Suzuki and, and Super Crazy. And they faced Hayata, Yoshinori Ogawa, Yuya Susumu, and Yasutaka Yano. They went to a double count in nine minutes. And they restarted a singles match, which was Kotaro Suzuki versus Yuya Susumu. And that went to an eight a draw in eight minutes and 31 seconds with a double pinfall. I hated this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it was not great. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, they're trying to heat up like Stinger versus Paros. But it's just the same thing. Countouts, DQs. We get it. <laughs> you know, they're feuding, right? Like how many yeah, times do you have to do this? Really doesn't make me very confident about the Hayat versus Eta match. Because that's probably going to be filled with like bullshit. Uh, yeah. Just because of the way this build has gone. 
So, and I mean, I also like that they do like a double pinfall between like Kotaro Suzuki and like Yuya Susumu. Like, it's just like, it's just a question of like, why? Like, how does that help build towards Hayata versus Eita? That like Susumu, like that they kind of, I don't know, like that just felt like really weird. Like, I like, like I kind of get doing like a double count out and do like brawling and everything, but then I don't know why they did like the singles match and then didn't even get a finish in the singles match afterwards. Like that entire sequence was just kind of bizarre. Yeah. And then see, this is the interesting thing about the age of um, the streaming services that put on every show back in the day, they would run this angle on every spot show, but they'd only do a couple of TV tapings. So you wouldn't constantly see it. But like, and this has happened in New Japan where they're trying to get over a new move. Like I think most infamously, like when Bad Luck Fale came up with the Bad Luck Fall, he was doing it over and over again on the same show. And now today, I guess you could sort of see that with um, the House of Torture interference. If you end up watching every show, it just sort of gets repetitive. Whereas mm-hmm. back in the day, you'd only get that on TV like every other week or something or more occasionally. Now, yeah, I guess that's no. a very small complaint given that we get to watch every show, but still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it, prob- that probably is one of the reasons for it. Uh, but eh, I don't know. Still doesn't make it more exciting to watch. <laughs> no, definitely not. And in a match that I really liked, uh, Hideki Suzuki defeated Manabu Soya in 10 minutes and 37 seconds with a royal stretch. Um, this was, I thought, really good. Soy is really good as the sort of mid-card gatekeeper sort of hoss. And it was like Suzuki trying to ground him, Soya trying to use his power moves, but then uh, Suzuki trapped him and got the submission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was a really fun mid-card match, as you said. Really nice clash of styles as well. Uh, kind of took Suzuki a little bit out of his comfort zone, which was always nice to see. And but to me, like the result obviously was never in any doubt but again Suzuki has just recently returned to the promotion so it's always good to like kind of like like he did win a title but it's always nice to give him like a couple like singles wins as well to kind of just establish him or re-establish him rather now the rest of the matches on the show were just like you know your standard opening tag matches although I will note once again King Itani a Funky Express has pinned Kenya Okada because it was King Tani and Mohamed Yone defeating Yoshiki Inamura and Kenya Okada in the opening match. So we're still <laughs> at that stage. Yep. I mean, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, Inamura and Okada versus Funky Express. I was like, okay. Yeah, I think I know how this one is going to go. And then it went exactly as I expected it to go. And yeah, I mean, at this stage, like, I don't know, Kenya Okada, maybe, but maybe at some point they'll be like, hey, maybe we should do anything with this guy but like i don't know doesn't feel like they ever will i will just say i was looking up uh ages of wrestlers today and i thought maybe inamura and okada still had a year or two to go before they turned 30 but no, i knew no, they no. were in their late no they're turn- they're both turning 30 later yeah. this year yeah they're the same age as Ata. <laughs> <laughs> just like just look at like the different stages like these guys are like are in now, I think Ada's been wrestling longer, though. Than both yeah, Ada, Ada has been wrestling way longer. Because they did be really quite young in Dragon Gate. Yeah. No, no, no. Ada obviously has been wrestling way longer. But, like, again, like, if you want to do something with Okada, like, you kind of have to start building him up now and not have him still be, like, the fall guy in the first match on the show. 
And Inamura too, really. Yeah, I mean Inamura too, obviously. But Inamura is like very clearly at like a level that is like way above the one of Okada. Right, but I don't think Inamura is as high as he should be. Either, yeah, though. no, no, no. Obviously not. But like I have a, ho- I still have hope that like at some point they're just gonna like pull the trigger on Inamura because they still keep him like in like semi-relevant positions. Whereas with Okada, he's like in the first or second match in the show and 90% of the time he's taking the fall. Right, yeah. So it's going to keep going on until it doesn't or maybe it will forever <laughs> the rest of his career. I don't know. I mean, like sometimes I really like Okada, but sometimes it feels like this is his lot. Yep. Has there actually been like a guy that is just like actually signed to a, like a proper promotion that is just even after they get out of the young boy stage, they're just always the fall guy with never even like a modicum of a push. I mean, you could say that about, there was like mid carters back in the day in New Japan and All Japan that were like that. I know, like, like do you think Kenny Okada is going to end up having a bigger career or a career similar to Masao Inoue, for example? Like Inoue got the All Asia tag titles, I think once or twice, but that but was again, it. That actually would require them to actually give him like a win. <laughs> Right. But those are like specifically mid-card tag yeah. titles. Though. But I mean, that's the thing. Like, do they see him as a junior? Do they see him as a heavyweight? I think he's a, I think he's a heavyweight. He's not mixing it up with the juniors other than the, like the mixed tags, but there's other heavyweights in the matches. And like, just compare him to Miyawaki, who's I think maybe got a year on him in, in career wise. And like Miyawaki's like clearly in the junior mix, even if he hasn't really yeah. gotten any big wins yet. Yeah, no. I mean, Okada is kind of too big to be like a junior, but I mean, Miyawaki gets wins over Okada, though. Yeah, which was explained to me that Miyawaki is his senior, but that doesn't last forever, and especially at the the uh, heavyweight junior divide. I mean, Goto is the senior to like another like there's in in other promotions. There's Hiroko Goto is the senior to like Kazuchika Okada. That doesn't really matter. (laughs) Yeah. So that was the. Noah show in Gunma. And so we'll just hop over some previews. Uh, April 8th at Corken Hall, really two matches of note uh, Kazuyuki Fujita and Takashi Sugera versus Go Shiozaki and Misato Tanaka. Obviously, that's going to be building up the Sumo Hall match between Shiozaki and Fujita later this month. And we are getting a preview of uh, Noah versus Zebrats when Junta Miyawaki takes on uh, Hio. Uh, any thoughts about either of those two matches? Uh, I'm cur- I'm interested to see how Zebrats do because are they going to wrestle like the way they would in Dragon Gate or are they kind of going to like adjust their style to be a Noah? So kind of looking forward to see what they do in an actual match on Noah. And on April 9th, uh, on a show that's really just all multi-man tags, we do get one big match, uh, Takashi Sugera versus Keno, that again is building up to the tag match. Um, yeah, that one I could see actually see go either way, to be honest. I could see Keno winning that. And if, yeah. and if we're thinking that they're going to do the split, like Keno looks like he's got Segura's number, but then chokes at the end in the tag title match. Yeah. yeah, I think that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because again, like I said, I think there's an angle after that match. Uh, so I think, yeah, that would be like a very logical story to tell there. And so as it stands now, the card for the April... Um, 29th and innovation show is pretty fleshed out. We've got Noah versus Zebrats, Daisuke Harada, Alejandro, and Junta Miyawaki versus Ashuna Skywalker, SB Kento, and Hio. 
We've got a three-way match of Dragon Bane versus Alpha Wolf versus the MVP of WrestleMania weekend. I'm just joking, Ninja Mac. Although I will say I really like the Ninja Mac versus Brian Cage squash on the ROH show. I don't know if you saw that. No, I haven't seen the ROH show, but I heard that he like did well on that show as well. Oh, I mean, it was like just a match that lasted a couple minutes and, and Cage squashed him. But, you know, you've played Fire Pro, right? Yeah. You know the release German that sends you like halfway across the ring? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where like if you have like dynamite on the outside, like you just chuck someone out of the ring with the German and make them explode. Yeah. yeah well, no, he wasn't chucking them out of the ring, but it was like. He was at like oh, one side of the ring, and then you sort of like go all the way to the other end of the ring. Much, yeah. yeah, like Cage was doing those Germans to the math. <laughs> basically, <laughs> okay. they looked awesome, and it reminded me of Fire Pro when I saw them. Ah, nice. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can you can do that with like Ninja Mac and Segura. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then we have Kotaro Suzuki versus Yuya Susumu. Uh, waste of Suzuki, if you ask me. Neo versus How in a loser loses their name match. That's actually another match that I could like see go either way as well. I think How loses his name, but I do because they're trying to establish a new identity to him. But look, I mean, I I want High sixty nine (laughs) back. I know it's Hiroki, but like, look, it's High sixty nine. Oh, I called them High sixty nine for years. I remember reading K Dojo results back in the day, and it's like, who's this High sixty nine (laughs) guy? But no, I mean, I, I think that's going to be a really good match because their singles match where they went to a draw at the beginning of the year, that one was amazing. It was like one of the best matches on the, uh, on the New Year's show. So I'm confident that they're going to deliver again here. Yeah. And um, then GHC Junior Tag Team title, uh, Yohei and Atsushi Katoge versus Yoshinari Ogawa and Chris Widgeray of Stinger. Um, how do you feel about someone returning to the promotion after a while and then automatically getting a title match? It's kind of bugs me on a certain level. <laughs> but I mean, they I think just the did match... it with Suzuki. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he did have to win a tournament, to be fair, but still. Um, but yeah, I mean, that will probably be a really great match. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that kind of has a really good chance of being the match of the night. Like, I think that one's going to be real good. And I, I actually think that the Stinger team is going to win as well. Yes, I, I think, think so too. Because Kotoga and Yohei, like they've had a good reign, but I think it makes kind of good, like perfect sense to like end it here and put the titles on Ogawa and Ridgeway. And like that's a really nice way of like reestablishing Ridgeway right, uh, right away as well. Like, yeah, it's not ideal to have someone like come in like on a title shot and like not have like any matches before that, really. But Still, I mean, because he's in there with Ogawa as well, and Ogawa at this stage has just like infinite credibility in the junior division, so it doesn't really matter. So I think, and I think that team is just really good. That's like one of the best teams he can put together in the junior division, and they can have like good matches with like pretty much everyone in that division. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, even if I somehow, you know and bothered on some level by the booking. And in the main event, as we sort of discussed, GHC Junior Heavyweight title, Ada versus Hayata. And it could get ugly. could be good. I don't know. This one, it's hard to say. It depends how they sort of, I think, book it really. Yeah, I, like as I said, like it could be an okay match if it was just a straight one-on-one. But I don't think it's going to be a straight one-on-one. I think there's just going to be like a lot of like Las Paras and Stinger 
bullshit happening in the match just like a ton of interference and shenanigans and chaos going on like a lot of heat basically is going to happen in this match do you think there is more heat in new japan or more heat in noah these days i would still say new japan scaled the house of torture stuff back a little bit but i mean in noah it's i mean to be fair show is kind of limited show is going to win that junior title and then it's going to be more heat all the time yeah no yeah and i I do think that like like let's say like hired like i think it's kind of peaking in Noah because it's like the two shenanigan heavy factions against each other here uh, in this match. And it, you don't really get it that much outside of that. Like, like, like let's say Ata, like regardless of who wins, like the next title match isn't going to be as kind of like heat heavy as this one is going to be. Whereas every show title match is going to be like a heat match. Yeah, I could see it sort of dissipating after uh, the show, which I think would be good for everyone. Um, and then on April 30th, we still only have three matches announced for the Sumo Hall show. Kazushi Sakuraba and Kendo Kashin versus Misaki Mochizuki and Don Fuji. Hell yeah. Bring in that- Don Fuji. That's that's the dragon involvement everyone wants to see. That's going to be cool, actually. Like that. That I mean, that's like I the, think it like, would be that's cool going to be if, heat heavy as well. But like, yeah, that's I was going to like, say it's going to be more fun than uh, Kendo Caution's going to try to throw Don Fuji off the balcony. Oh yeah, and this time it will actually be funny when he tries to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, this could be fun if Kendo Caution was in this. Um, oh yeah, I think I think that that has a that has a chance to be actually be like a really fun match. Depends also where they put it on the card as well. And then for the GHC tag team title, Takashi Sugera and Hideki Suzuki versus Keno and Katsuhiko Nakajima. We've already talked about it. Um, I think we both think Sugera Gun is retaining and they're going to do the breakup angle for Congo. Yeah. And Actually, name- I wouldn't be surprised if it's a double breakup angle. Like, because I think there's going to be like a lot of like reshuffling of factions. Mm-hmm. But I do think the Hideki and Sugera team, like that's going to stay intact. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And in your main event... GHC heavyweight title, Kazuyuki Fujita versus Go Shiozaki. And I don't know. I, mean, I hope Go wins. I mean, they can't keep it on Fujita. Like, no. He's, he's just not a draw. Like, regardless of what you think of him, like, as a wrestler, like, he's just not a draw at all. And Go, like, he just, like, it feels like, I don't know, like, regardless of whether or not it was, like, a long-term plan to have, like, Fujita as a champ going into the show, like, I think the plan always was for him to lose or to have like a big title change on the show. And I think they've done a nice job of like, like if the school, like, I, like I think the plan was like to put it on Muto probably, but like, I mean, then go is like your second choice there very clearly. Like if you have to, like, if you look at like the way Noah has been booked that like they very clearly see go as like the second biggest draw. And so just, like you have to put it back on go and just like find like restabilize the promotion. Yeah, definitely. Which you can do as long as you keep it on Fujita. Yeah, it's just going to be a more and more of a decline if, if go wins and go has not been geekified yeah. either, but he could be if he loses this along with everyone else yeah, in the company yeah. that's under well goes 40 now, but everyone going younger than him is yeah. getting geekified. Um, I mean, and that's the thing like that, that there seemed to be also like a shift after Muto got injured because it seemed like they were like gearing up for like a long-term rebuild of Go Shiyazaki after he like lost the like entire challenge series 
but then like then Muto got injured and then all of a sudden Go started getting like all of these singles wins to like build him back up as like a credible challenger. And that makes me feel even more that like he's going to take the title here because they very clearly had a different plan for Go and I think he was gonna win the title like later in the year. But now it very much feels like, no, no, no. Like this feels like basically a move. It's like, no, we need to put the title on this guy now. Yeah, so I think wasn't the plan to do Mudo versus Fujita, title versus title in yeah. August? No, I think it wasn't the plan to do that on this show. No, it was at Budokan. Oh, at Budokan, okay. Which is either July or August. Yeah. And then the N1 would be coming up, and I think that would have been goes to win, probably. And then yeah. face Mudo. Yeah. And but, then Go beats Mudo. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not complaining about Go speed getting sped back up and anything like that. I mean, there's really no other choice at this point, I think, anyway. No. Like, if you want to put it on someone that you know that can draw, then you put it back on Go Shiyazaki, and then you just kind of figure stuff out from there. Oh, he can draw? Like, the Mudo injury has just thrown everything kind of into disarray. Go can draw, but he can't politic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I saw that graphic. That graphic was amazing. It's also 100% true. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect encapsulation of Noah right now. I think um, actually, no, we probably should talk about what was on that graphic, where it was basically like split into four quadrants. Was like can draw, can politic, can draw, and can politic. And Go Shiozaki was in the can draw but can politic uh, uh, quadrant. Uh, Nakajima was in the can politic and can draw. Fujita was can politic and can draw, and then Muto was can politic and can draw. And I think that just sums up Noah really well over like the last year. Yeah. And I feel so bad for Nakajima because, you know, I mean, he reinvented himself. Everyone loved him. And then his title reign sort of fizzled. Yeah. And I don't know if, do you think he ever wins the title again? The heavyweight? (sighs) I mean, I would love for him to do it, but I mean, just looking objectively at his drawing record, it wasn't great. I just don't think he's as much of a draw as we want him to be. I mean, they could try to rebuild him again by giving him a long national title reign. I think that would probably be what they'd have to do. But to be honest, like I would also be fine if he just tops out that national title going forward. And if he's just like the guy in like the upper mid card that just has great matches. like Like I would want him to be like the guy that carries the promotion, but I don't think he can be that guy if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world so i mean that's why it's yeah. so frustrating and upsetting for this to happen but we shall see i mean, I mean but then again like for example like we thought that about go Shiyazaki for a long time exactly and then he managed to actually turn around i mean that's the thing with nakajima like he's still like i mean he has been around since forever and ever but like he still has like a couple of years 34 just... i think yeah exactly like like go like didn't really find himself till he was like 39 <laughs> yeah exactly so like nakajima still has like five years to like figure it out and like i mean think about some of the awful numbers that go was drawing when he was on top in all japan oh god yeah, that was horrific horrific numbers like that's Just, also when i was like he went like back to noah i was like okay let's see how this one goes but like if they want to push him to the top like they're going to be in for rude awakening in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe i can pull a ken Griffey jr rookie card But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voice of wrestling podcast network and it and then like yeah like early on and like when he returned to now it wasn't that great either and then it was really only like in that most recent title run where he really put it all together and became like a proper draw that has great matchups. Well, the funny thing is that his rebuilding though took place through access with Nakajima. Yeah. And then, yeah, for some reason it didn't rub off on Nakajima as a draw. Yeah. It, it's very weird. I don't know. Like, like I said, like, I think maybe he will just kind of top up at being like an upper mid card now, but I mean, there is still a chance because yeah, he's still he's kind of like just entering like he's just entering kind of peak wrestler years right now, which is a crazy thought. Yeah, I mean, I remember now this date screen shows me how such of a weirdo I was, but I got ordered the VH VHS tape order once, which was the Noah March first, two thousand three show, and another show happened on March first, two thousand three, which was the World Japan debut show and i got both tapes (laughs) and that was the first time i ever saw katsuhiko nakajima who put on a martial arts exhibition on that show he looked pretty incredible he was 15 at the time i think (laughs) and i followed him literally from the first time he ever made a public appearance on a wrestling show so yeah no i mean 
yeah like that's what i mean like that's what that's why it's so crazy that he's like only now entering like his prime wrestler years really and that world japan show was horrible by the way oh i mean it didn't last so (laughs) (laughs) like how Um, many shows did they get i think lasted like a year well but it got progressively worse and people bolted like kensuke left and kenzo suzuki left (laughs) and then it was like choshu and a bunch of Choshu, Shiro Koshinaka, and Takawa Mori, and a bunch of indie guys. But also a very strange uh, thing that happened, a twist of fate that I'm not saying it changed wrestling forever, but to fill out the World Japan um, mid-card, Riki Choshu hired a certain Tomohiro Ishii who had sort of after war folded been spending some time in Michinoku pro and brought him into world Japan. And he would follow Choshu back into new Japan when Choshu returned. It's always weird. Like how you have those weird, like butterfly effects and like Japanese wrestling, like, yeah. because like the other example for that for me would be like Kanemaru backdooring his way into new Japan through kayfabe in a way, because he joined a kayfabe faction and Suzuki Goon. But then all of Suzuki Goon got kicked out of Noah, and then that swept Kanemaru back. Or that, well, not back, but that swept Kanemaru to New Japan when the Noah, when like Noah and New Japan like split, and then he got like a contract. But like again, like that all is like based on him in kayfabe joining a faction, but that turned into a shoot. Like it's very weird how that happened. And everyone in Noah hates him still. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they've forgiven Taiji Ishimori for like, well, not fully, but like, I feel like they've forgiven Ishimori more than they have Kanemaru. And Ishimori literally tricked them into releasing him by saying he was going to go to the US. Well, I mean, Kanemaru sort of just gives off that vibe that he's a bit of a dick, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> and, you know, and they're cool with Kenta. So, you know. Yeah. Well, to be fair, but Kenta also like just, did things the right way where he was just right. like, and he actually did go to the US. <laughs> he spent, yeah, he ended, he actually spent five years or so, I think, in the US. Yeah. And like, yeah. Ishimori, Ishimori was, was there for like, a month in Ishim- Impact. Yeah, Ishimori was like, did like an Impact taping and then went to New Japan. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's also sort of like what Sonata did too, right? To get out of Wrestle One. I'm going to work a impact taping and do a tour of big Japan. And then well, well, here I am in but new Japan there reports that he was actually going to try and like get in, like that he was actually trying to get into like WWE, but that was like just before they like did they like, we hire literally everyone's free. Yeah. I think he did want to go, but yeah, he couldn't make it in the, to yeah. WWE. Whereas for Ishimori that always felt like he actually just never actually wanted to go to the US. Well, it was literally just an excuse to go to New Japan. It's funny with Sonata because he couldn't even do the humor that they make the Japanese wrestlers do in WWE. <laughs> right? Yeah. Imagine him trying to do like Jiro or Tozawa, right? He can't do that. No. I mean, that's why they made him the great Sonata and Impact because, yeah. Anyway, so that's our coverage of Noah. Um, we're going to have a lot of All Japan Champion Carnival to cover on the next episode. So we thought we'd take cover what's going on in those shows. But if any other big now matches get announced, probably on April 30th, we will quickly go over those on the next episode. And so before we get to All Japan, we just have a message from our sponsor, HelloFresh. And so what is HelloFresh? Well, with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh 
pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Uh, warm yourself up from the inside out with a limited time recipes inspired by cozy classics from around the world like beef tenderloin and cheese fondue or miso sesame shrimp and bacon ramen. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your order online or in the app, easily change your delivery day, food preferences and plan size or skip a week whenever you need to. I know something like that is um, definitely preferable. I mean, sometimes I'm traveling and so I don't wanna get tied to having all of these meal kits sitting around. So something like that is really convenient in that kind of thing. And HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. And you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's money back in your pocket. And I think that's really helpful right now, Paul. I don't know. Are you getting inflation in Europe too, probably? Oh, yeah. I yeah, know. Especially in Germany, like there's quite a bit of inflation going on. To be fair, food prices in Germany were like below what you would think they would be. But yeah, no, that's definitely happening. Yeah. And do you have to pay VAT on top of food? Uh, or is yeah. that exempted? Yeah. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Like uh, there is a reduced VAT rate on food in mm -hmm. Germany but uh, you do have to pay uh, that. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. have to pay that on pretty much everything. Yeah, well, no, here in Canada, there's no sales tax on food unless it's like pre-prepared, like hot food dish that you take from a grocery store, but everything on the shelves is has no sales tax on it. Oh, no, no, like essential food items have like a reduced rate, but mm. no, like literally everything in Germany uh, it has a sales tax. <laughs> anyway, so that's why, you know, HelloFresh is very attractive, right? Um, you can save some money in these tight economic times. So um, go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. That's all one word. And use code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Remember, that's uh, HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. And use code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. So now we go to All Japan. And before we get to some news and notes, we finally have a full card for the April 16th Korokan Hall 60th anniversary show because, well, Sonata suffered a broken orbitable bone, orbitable orbital bone, which seems to be going around these days. Uh, Jake Lee also suffered one a couple months ago and someone else did too. I can't remember who it was, but someone else, maybe it'll come to me, but someone else has also had that injury too recently. And so um, we'll get to the um, Sonata's replacement, but the show starts off with Kosei Fujita versus Ryo Inoue. And oh, this is going to be great. Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's definitely like a good hard opener to like start off with. Yeah. I mean, I've just been so impressed in a way. Um, oh so yeah. I know. Like he just right out of the gate. Yeah. He's someone that just like, it's very clear that he gets wrestling. Yeah. But I think Fujita wins here because he's, it's the senior by a few months anyway, or maybe even a year, but uh, he debuted sometime in 2021. So he'll get the win there. Next we have 
one of the strangest, this is a fire pro random team if I've ever seen one. Takao Mori, Yudo Nakajima, and Ryohi Oiwa versus Yoshitatsu, Raisuke Taguchi, and Master Wado. <laughs> Do you think any of Yoshitatsu's uh, charisma will rub off on Master Wado? I have my doubts. I think Master Wato, he is what he is what he is. And I mean, like literally, like the thing is like whenever I talk about Master Wato, like literally my it's literally my head is empty and it's literally just the Master Wato gif like running on a loop through my head. And I can't he, think about anything else. Now, to his credit, I think he has improved. I really liked his match last year against um uh, Robbie Eagles in um, Cork and Hall. I thought that was really good. And he's become a little bit less of a meme now that he's the junior tag team champion. Um, next match, this could get ugly. It's Tajiri and Toru Yanu versus Black Menso Ray and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Paul, how many bumps do you think the Tajiri and Yano team take? How much is how many bumps is anyone going to take in this match? I don't Mensa think there's going to be bump. a lot of wrestling moves going on. Mensa Ray will bump. Mensa Ray will bump, but like I think there's not going to be a lot of time in this match that's going to be spent in the ring, to be honest. Yeah, and I think it's pretty obvious who the winners are here. Oh yeah. Um probably Yano rolling up Mensa Ray or Kenamaru. I don't know. I think that's I would, probably... no, I'm I think it's very clear that Mensa Ray is taking the pin here. Yeah. Uh yeah, Kanemaru does a lot of jobs, but Mensa Ray is basically a jobber. Um, then they're really interesting team. Yuma Aoyagi, Atsuki Aoyagi, Togi Makabe, and Tomoaki Hanma versus Los Ingobernables de Japan, Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, Hiromu Takahashi, and Bushi. Over on the, on the number of bombs that uh, Togi Makabe will take at 0.5. Do you take the over or the under? Uh, over. You think he will oh, take wait, a bump? it's an eight man tag under. If it was like a six man tag, I would say one bump. Yeah. And I mean, in this case, it is an eight man. So he will, like, he will maybe tag in, deliver like a couple of clotheslines to, uh, to Bushi and then tag back out and then I go mean, home. This match, I think, will be pretty good, unless yeah. it's just like Hanman Makabe in the ring the entire time. <laughs> Um, but I'm like really excited to see Yuma mix it up with Naito and Takaki. Yeah, no, I think that's going to be great. I think that's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, but I do also think that like Atsuki is going to take the pin here. Really? You don't think Hanma? <sighs> I mean, he also took the, I mean, he just got tapped out by Fujinami. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I mean, Hanma does a lot of jobs. True. I mean, you can't always have Hanma be the guy taking the fall here. I think yeah. that's fine too. But obviously, but, yeah. Boston Gobernable is going to win this. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I'm I'm actually looking forward to like what Atsuki can do in the match as well. Yeah, I guess Hiromu of all people too. Yeah, exactly. Like that's actually going to be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if he can has the chops to be what it takes to be junior ace against yeah, because, the junior ace like, of another company. Yeah. Because it's also like because he's like a really good high flyer in all Japan, but all Japan doesn't he really have that many high flyers in its junior division? Mm-hmm. So it's going to like be interesting when he goes up against someone that is like one of the best at high flying in like all of wrestling yeah and the next match i think this will be hard hitting suwama shotaro ashino and dan tamara versus hiroki goto yoshihashi and yo yeah no that could be good as well uh now yo kind of curious uh, about like suwama and goto 
Oh, that could be good. I think Ashino and Goto, I think, is what the money in this match is going to be. Yeah, actually, yeah. Those two have never really, like, those have never ever been like in a match against Yo, right? No. Um, Now, Yo takes a lot of pins in New Japan these days. I've been reading results, but Tamara is just obviously the fall guy here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because I would be very surprised if Evolution wins this. Yeah. And your main event. Kento Miyahara and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Jake Lee and the replacement for Sonata, Taichi. I think that's an improvement. I think so too. Makes the result obvious though. <laughs> yeah. Tanahashi will probably pin Taichi. Yeah. Or I could also see Taichi eating a shutdown and getting pinned by Kento. Yeah, that's very possible too. I guess it. I think cross like people from different promotions pinning each other is m- more likely at least higher up on the card, more likely if they're going to keep working together. Yeah. Yeah, that's so I true. Don't know. Um, yeah, I but mean... Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, Taichi is going to eat the pin here, I think, and yeah. Might be a high fly flow, might be a shutdown, might be a combination of the two. That would be interesting. Yeah. But, yeah. And so this airs on a pay-per-view um, service in, in Japan called Spooks, S-P-O-O-X, uh, but apparently it's not available internationally. It's region blocked, I guess, I've, from what I've heard. Now, I heard, and I don't know if this is confirmed, that New Japan World's going to get it. I don't know if All Japan TV is going to get it. But I hope they do. Uh, yeah. But uh, we will watch the show when it eventually does uh, get released for free. And also, even if it was available internationally, it's like, 40 or 50 bucks. Yeah. I mean, I like the card, but it's not like 50 euro card. Like, it's like that's too much. I would rather pay like the $45 to Rossi Ogawa for one of those stardom pay per views than this. <laughs> yeah. Because those actually have like proper top matches on it. Like, this is going to be like a fun watch, but no, like a tenner. I might spend a tenner to watch it. Yeah. $50. Um, just a couple of notes in. All Japan, uh, President Fukuda at the uh, Champion Carnival press conference said that All Japan will be holding a six-man tag tournament this summer, and he has invited other companies to participate. That's all that was said. There was no indication of which companies would be participating. Uh, But I would assume it's probably like Big Japan and 2AW, maybe New Japan. I don't know. No, I think. It, I think it's going to be mostly like indie companies. There's definitely going to be people from Osaka Pro and that as well. Yeah, maybe. And Basara, Basara guys have been working all Japan yeah. lately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be, it could be fun depending on who's all involved, I think. And it's something different, which is nice. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something nice to see in all Japan. Uh, the dates for the 2022 Dynamite series in June have been announced. It's another four show tour. So it doesn't look like they're going despite the fact the country's opening up more and more, doesn't look like they're going back to uh, large-scale touring anytime yet. So it's four shows that month, month, plus Champions Night 4 on June 19th in Oda Ward Gym. But once again, on June 12th, exactly a week before, they're holding a show at Corican Hall. And as you saw last month, that just led to an absolutely dismal Corican Hall number because all they had to put on top was an all Asia tag title match because everything else was saved for Oda Ward. Yeah, I mean, I think they're kind of going to keep it kind of low 
for now with the touring. I think kind of them kickstarting, like making like bigger tours again is when they're going to Hokkaido in May. Yeah. Uh, and I think then from there, I think we might see them start touring a bit more for the rest of the country. I think things like this tour in June isn't really that generally that big anyway. It would not shock me though if like once the summer gets in a full swing that they do start running more shows. Because I think it's also like you have to book the buildings in advance, like oh, yeah. for quite a while. Yes. So I think even if they probably wanted to like if they probably even wanted to like go to like other places, like they probably had to like plan out these tours like months ago and weren't quite sure yet how far they could actually go for the rest of the country. Yeah. Um, we already talked about the champion carnival last episode, but I thought we'd just talk about really quickly the first show of the champion carnival, which is on April 9th in Osaka, in Osaka Ediana arena number two. And we have, and it's like every participant has a carnival match in it. So we have block A, Shuji Shikawa versus Shigehiro Irie. Block A, Jake Lee versus Shutaro Ishino. Block A, Ryuki Honda versus T-Hawk. Block B, Kento Miyahara versus Kumar Rashi. Block B, Suwama versus Yuma Aoyagi. And Block B, Yoshi Tatsu versus Takuya Nomura. That's a weird main event. <laughs> well, that's just that the match order hasn't been decided. That's just yeah. what I got off of uh, Pure Love. Like I would assume that Suwama versus Yuma is probably going to be the main for that one. Yeah. Uh, does any big upset stand out to you on night one? I mean, Honda, maybe. Maybe. Like Honda, like I could maybe see, get the win. And that would be kind of an upset. Yeah, I could see that as I, and I should note, I have a preview up on the champion carnival at voicesofwrestling.com where I go over every participant, make a few notes. And in my preview for T-Hawk, I noted that he's sort of like just a guy right now in sort of great Right, they had him take the fall to Okada in the in a in that eight man tag match yeah. where they teamed with Fujinami, obviously because they had because it's Shima's not going to do the job, Fujinami's not going to do the job, and um, Al Lindemann is the G Rex champion, so he has to be protected. And T like I just feel like T Hawk's spinning his wheels right now and great, so yeah. I could see he just eats a pin here and i could see him not doing that well in the tournament and not being that protected either like i don't know for sure and sometimes companies will still protect even their like mid-card guys when they do in a promotional stuff but it just doesn't feel like t-hawk's gonna be like i mean he'll have great matches but i don't think he's gonna be necessarily like oh my god is he gonna like be in contention on the final night or anything like that which is weird considering where he was like two three years ago yep when he was like the biggest guy and like strong hearts, like the most pushed guy who was like getting like KOD, like title matches and DDT on like big shows. You know, he's just kind of a guy. And the Wrestle One run where the, he actually drew in Wrestle yeah, One exactly. and popped yeah. some of their biggest numbers. He's the biggest, was the best, he was the best, most like, like the best champion they ever had in terms of drawing. <laughs> I think T Hawk's sort of infamous lack of mic skills. And sort of the rise of Al Lindemann has sort of hurt him, right? He's yeah. like, he's got the the younger guy sort of um, taking some of the uh, attention away from him, I think is part of the issue. Not that Al Lindemann doesn't deserve his spot or anything like that. I mean, he's tremendous, right? But that sort of, like if T-Hawk maybe went on his own way outside of Strong Hearts, it might actually help him. I mean, it's kind of a thing that also keeps happening to T-Hawk as well, where he starts to get outshone by his tag partner. Because of what happened when, in his team of Ata as well. 
where Ada is like a bigger star than him now. Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. maybe maybe it might be time for him to like leave Strong Hearts and just kind of become his own guy as well. And uh, one other thing I noted in my preview, do you think Yuma gets his first singles win over Suwama on the show? That one is the one that I've been really been pondering because I could really see this one go either way and it would probably tell us quite a bit about the way the tournament is going to go. Like, I think that's, that. I mean, that is like, like I said, that's going to be the main event most likely and it is really the most intriguing match on the night one of the Champion Carnival. Um, like I said, I could very much see it go either way and I think there's logical arguments to be made for either man to win here. I mean, gun to my head, I'm going to say Suwama wins. Okay. Yeah, I could. I, I'm really torn on this. I, I think it's possible Yuma wins, but I'm 50-50 on this. Mm-hmm. Um, other interesting things that could happen. I think Irie or sorry, I think uh, the big dog or Booker Man is beating Irie uh, because Irie beat him in their last singles match to win the Gay or TV title. I think there's actually a decent chance Ashino beats Lee because I think Lee's winning the tournament. And they do a come from behind story with him. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, because he's still pretty fresh from back from his uh, tournament. Um, and I don't think it's impossible that Kumo Rashi pins Kento Miyahara. Really? Yeah, because uh, Kumo Rashi said he wants the Triple Crown match. Ah, okay. I missed that one. Yeah, because I was like, I mean, that wouldn't make any goddamn sense unless uh, Rashi gets like a title match. But yeah, I, I guess you could just do that on a spot spot show somewhere. Smaller so, triple crown yeah. defense, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, in that case, that would make sense. I mean, otherwise, yeah, there's just no reason why Arashi should pin the triple crown champion. Actually, on uh, on another note, do you would it be considered an upset if Nomura pins Yoshitatsu? No, and I think Nomura is winning. Yeah, yeah. Because he's the outsider. He's coming in. Um, he's never been anything more than like an opening match guy when he, or like, you know, second or third match yeah. on the show when he's been in all Japan previously. Yeah. So you do but, need to give him a win right out of the gate out of like a and semi, yeah. semi, he is semi-credible at Yoshitatsu. Yeah. yeah. Sort of. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that, I don't know, I'm kind of curious to see what Nomura can get out of Yoshitatsu, to be honest. I mean, that's the thing. That's always the weird thing with Yoshitatsu. Like he's kind of a black box. Well, like you never know what you're gonna get with him, like because you can get like really good matches with him, or you can just get absolutely nothing, and especially if he's against someone that he's never wrestled. So, I mean, there's a 50 50 chance here, really, that this is a good match, but it could also be just kind of boring, yeah. Um, so I think it's a fairly intriguing uh first night with some big matches. I think, yeah, I think Suwama versus Yuma headlines. And so I just thought we'd take a look at that because it's sort of interesting. And I think there's a, I think the first night will tell us a lot of directions that the tournament's going yeah. and we'll have a, several uh, champion carnival shows to review on the next episode. So now we'll just move over to questions and we'll start from Twitter. And so our first question is from Catherine um, at Henriette Hooker. And she asks, how long do you think it will be before they put the belt on Ryuki Honda? Um, I think that, that's actually something that could very well happen. I don't think they just pick a 22 year old who's not been, who didn't even get trained in their own dojo and give him a big push like that if they didn't have big long-term plans for him. But I don't see him winning that 
title until he's at least 25. Yeah. Maybe uh, even I mean, older. Yeah. But then again, he is getting pushed a lot stronger than other people are at his age. Especially for 22 in a yeah, men's exactly. promotion. Like, look what Yuma was doing at 22. Yuma was just getting beaten like a drum by Ishikawa and Suwama at that age. Yeah. And he didn't even get offense in at that point. No. So I would also say, because generally that's just the way all Japan has been doing things, that it's going to take him like, that it's going to take like at least three years for him to win the title. But it is just kind of unprecedented, like the way they have been pushing him. Well, not, I wouldn't say unprecedented, but it's not something they have done in like forever. So Yuma is like 26 or 27, I think. Like and he, 25 still. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and, and, but he didn't start getting a push until he was like 23. Yeah. So Honda's even younger than he was when he started moving up the card. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, it, it, I would also say that's probably going to take him until 25 to win the title, but I would not be shocked if he maybe wins it at 24 as well. Like, I don't, he's not going to win it this year. And I don't think he's going to win it next year either. No, no. I, and I am sure he will segue into a tag title run for a bit too. Yeah. Right. Just like, to I establish think there's him. a long, there's a long heavyweight type, like tag title reign coming for him. And that's really like the thing that establishes him properly. Yeah. What I will say though, what is actually fairly likely is that he is going to win the real world tag league. But will he be with Jake Lee? Or that is the other question. Yeah. Total Eclipse explode. That is really the, Big question of who is going to be his tag partner for that. I could maybe see them put him and Jake Lee together and then really have them have like a really dominant run on top for like well, a year. And so there's tension. Like Honda over the top. There's tension between the two right now because like Jake yep. Lee got frustrated and backdropped Honda on one of the, the, the smaller spot shows that happened at the end of March. Um, so that's sort of interesting, but I'm. I don't know. I mean, I could see them just speeding it up because Jake Lee's such in a weird, such a weird position. Yeah. Um, right now. So I guess we'll see. We'll we'll know. Like if somehow Total Eclipse sort of uh, reconcile by the end of this tournament, then you know, they will probably be the team. Second question from Sandre Bjorn at Sandre Bjorn on Twitter: How many points do you guys see Nomura getting in the Champion Carnival? Well, it's a maximum of 10 points because it's a six-man block, so that's five matches. I'm going to say six points. Uh, yeah, I think that feels like a safe assessment. But see, I feel like, for example, if you had booked Yuji Okabayashi or Daisuke Sakamoto instead, you would have to protect them more than Nomura did. Like, I feel like, you know, Big Japan does not treat Nomura with the <laughs> amount of respect that he deserves, basically, right? No. no. So... You could probably get away with giving Nomura two points where you'd have to give Okabayashi six or eight or something like that, right? Yeah. I could see that. I mean, being... I, I would also say that, like, I think six definitely feels like the limit as well. Like, I don't think he's going to get, like, I don't think he's going to be in the mix at the end of the tournament. Like, yeah. I could also see him get four as well. Yeah. Like, I do think he is at getting at least two wins. Like, I don't think they're going to have him win Minimum one match. Four, is, yeah. like, even if Big Japan doesn't give him the same respect, he is still a former strong champion. Yeah. You know what my dream final is, actually? Nomura versus Jake Lee. Yes. <laughs> I think that would be great. It would be a lot of fun, yeah. But I have I don't think it's happening. That will yeah, happen. no. Uh, very unlikely. Next question at that. 
from it's like no but just real quick as well because like where did Nomura finish on a strong climb because I don't think he even was really like in a mix for the strong climb no I don't believe so I don't know I haven't been following Big Japan this year actually (laughs) to be honest with you um I hear it's rough yeah um so next question from Dr. Jonathan Foy, author of Gan Baru, How All Japan Survived the 2000 Split, which is a great book that I reviewed for the website. And I highly rec- recommend checking it out. Um, he asks, out of the current trainees across two companies, who do you think has the best prospects of long-term stardom? And then I asked him to sort of clarify a trainee. So he says two years in or less as the cutoff point for the question. Um that's interesting because most of the trainees in NOAA in all Japan that are two years in or less are juniors. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the Saito brothers. Who don't really have that much long-term. No. Because they're already 36. So. Yeah. And they're going to max it at tag champions if yeah. they come back better. But, you know, well, they're good. they'll get pushed hard, at least initially on probably return. I mean, less than two years in. I mean, Ryu, in a way, as we've been talking about, there's something special there to keep your eye on. I think Yasu, does Yasutaku, how long has Yasutaku Yano been wrestling? Yano was, uh, made his debut last year. Okay. Feels yeah. longer, but the pandemic screwed up my sense of time. So I think they see something in him. Yeah. As like and a junior what, ace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing though. He's going to top out at junior, obviously. Because mm-hmm. he's small, yeah. Yeah, um, he's very small. Like he's Ishimori height. Who else? Well, I mean, oh, uh, we forgot to mention this. Yuma Anzai, Suwama's large son, mm-hmm. not biological son, but Suwama's large son that he scouted from the same university that he he uh, went to and, and was on the wrestling team. He's reported to the dojo. Yeah. So um, I mean, obviously, we're going. We've never seen this man wrestle. No. But just he's got a good based look. on where he's from and how much Suwama seems to just be like absolutely adoring this man like yeah i think there's a good chance that he might be really good he's six two yeah he's got like boyish good looks could mm-hmm. i don't know if he could quite do like the idol like tanahashi thing but he's a good looking guy like he already um, has like good mass as well so like yep. once he actually like starts putting like actually like muscle on that frame like it's gonna be even better yep for sure so i think and so he's he's reported to the dojo at the beginning of April. I think the September Budokan 50th anniversary show is a very likely debut spot. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to really try to rush him out of that. Yeah, dojo. I mean, there's a risk in that, but like, yeah. I mean, it depends how natural, like, how much of a natural he is as well. Yeah. Well, they they see something there. I don't know. I feel like as much as grief as Suwama some gets from some quarters. I think he's got an eye for talent. I think. Yeah. And this guy's not going to be a disaster, even if he's not a superstar. And I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely got a type and like that guy feels like falling, like exactly into the type that Suwama like wants to like have in all Japan. Yeah. I think it'll fundamentally come down to how charismatic the guy ends up being, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is impossible to assess from a bunch of pictures he takes of Suwama. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we know he's tall. So yeah. that's a good, that's a good start. Um, next from uh, Patrick at shut up, Patrick, if you could add one junior into the carnival, who would it be? No company lines matter. Now I would say, I don't even have to go out of the company to say what junior I would add. 
Hikaru Sato. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, if company lines do not matter at all, then I'm just going to go with Hiromu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. But uh, maybe it would help if his Someone company... that would be realistic, I think it, Sato is a, is a good pick. Yeah. If his, his company should put him in a heavyweight tournament first... <laughs> <laughs> before he starts going into other companies' heavyweight tournaments. Well, to be fair, I mean, like, hard, like he is wrestling heavyweights and hard hit. Like, he has, like... No, sorry, I meant Hiromu. Oh, Hiromu. Oh, okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, hey, yeah, Champion Carnival. That's a heavyweight tournament. <laughs> and our next question from comes from at Spirit of Hansen. What's something that makes you optimistic about the future of Japanese wrestling? And what's something that makes you worried about the future of Japanese wrestling? Well, what makes me optimistic about the future of Japanese wrestling, and I always love to watch the young wrestlers debut and develop, and I will say that there is a good bit of um, uh, young talent there. We just talked about some in all Japan. They have their young guys, Hokuto, Atsuki, Dan, um, Ryo Inoue, and now Enzai in the, in the dojo. I'm optimistic about that for all Japan's future. You know, I'm optimistic about Yasu Takuyano. The current crop of New Japan young lions are really great. And then once things are opening up, obviously they're going to bring in back like the Carl Fredericks and the Alex Coglins to New Japan. And I think that will really help that company. But what makes me worried about the future of Japanese wrestling are the uh, of the, are those that can politic and can draw and then can draw, yeah. No, I mean, for me, it's what makes me positive about the future of wrestling, uh, Japanese wrestling is that it, that a lot of promotions seem a lot more stable now than they did five years ago. And that's despite the pandemic. Right. If we think back like five, six years ago, like it very much seemed like we could lose like Noah, like Noah was like teetering, like on the edge, like really hard for a while there. And like same with all Japan, like it was like a bit touch and go and everything and like a number of like other promotions where I wasn't quite sure like if they were gonna survive or not and like we really only lost like wrestle one out of that like that's really the only like major promotion quote unquote major promotion that folded yeah and that's also in part because its founder abandoned it <laughs> yeah yeah like because it was just nothing left there um so i think like that's good and then like like great obviously like seems a lot more stable than people were, like gave it credit for yep, people like, originally like because people were like very much like this is going to burn out quickly and nope seems like they're really like in a good position now and they seem like a stable promotion that is like gonna be around for like a while yep so that's really good to have then obviously like noah has like stable ownership now uh so and all japan also seems like financially stable like they're not rich but they seem like it also doesn't seem like they're like just like counting beans and just barely like managing to survive right. like month to month. Like they seem like they can make like long-term plans. Yeah. But I would just say about all Japan is like, they, I don't think they have enough, but the, the thing is that the, you got to spend money to make money. And I don't think yeah. they necessarily have the money to spend yeah. to make. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a, the problem. Part of, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, maybe the thing that makes me worried is actually like coming up soon and it's like now that things are opening up again and you can maybe put people back in the buildings is will people come back? Right. That's the thing that I'm worried about because if they don't, then obviously like that's definitely worrying for the future of Japanese wrestling because crowds had been shrinking previously. And if now all of a sudden like 
you have lost like half of your audience and they're not coming back that's bad right for like the long-term health of wrestling in japan so that's something to like monitor if crowds do come back if when they're allowed to well, I mean, I think some of the recent um, All Japan numbers with Kento on top again uh, have been a little encouraging, but we'll see how much that really does expand once things fully open up. Uh, I mean, and I, also like how much they draw like outside of Tokyo now. Yeah, that's because like, I mean, Tokyo numbers are kind of hard to like estimate because obviously Tokyo is just completely burned out. Yeah, because everyone was just running Tokyo into the absolute underground throughout the like last two years. Mm-hmm. So, but it is still like, I would say that there's like an appetite outside of Tokyo to see wrestling again, but I mean, it might also just be a thing where like, people well, have I'll be curious to how um, all Japan draws in Sapporo. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the really, that's the key indicator. I think it's like, how do people do, uh, how does all Japan do in Hokkaido and I, like, how do like other promotions do when they like get back to like other parts of the country for the first time? Yeah. And I guess I think just in terms of like the overall health of the scene, as long as big Japan is alive, they're not, the they're not on the life support, mine, yeah. right? <laughs> they're the canary. In the, basically big Japan's the canary in the coal mine. I would say if they go under, uh, there's trouble, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, even in like Joshi, for example, ice ribbon is still somehow surviving despite losing like I mean, half their roster. At what least. Who, they ha- who they have left? They have like what, like five trainees? And yeah, like, so I mean, they, they're they still... don't even have Takada Fujimoto. Left yeah, so, you know? <laughs> taking time off to get married. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if they can still survive, you know, I, I think things are uh, not super dire. Yeah. And then um, let's go over into the Discord for some questions. Okay, Droman has a bunch of questions. We'll go through real quick. Droman, just ask one buddy from now on. I love you, but <laughs> thoughts on the All Japan careers of Seiya Sonata and Taichi Ishikari? Uh, I thought Taichi was probably going to be a top junior, but then he left. Uh, and Seiya Sonata, I mean, he looked pretty good, but then he just never developed any charisma. But I mean, they both showed a lot of promise while they were there. Mm-hmm. I don't think either of them would have really been, been like a difference maker in All Japan, to be honest. Uh, but I yeah. think they've both done, they've actually done better outside of all Japan. And it probably would have been if they had stayed with all Japan. Yeah. Cause I think, I think Kai, like if there was no wrestle one split, I think Kai would have outshown Sonata. Yeah. I think Kai is actually someone that actually would have done better if he had stayed with all Japan. Yeah. Although obviously, well, I mean, he's the, the open, the dream gate champion now, but yeah, but I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, that was kind of surprising, right? Because it didn't feel like, like go back before he joins Dragon Gate, right? Yeah, yeah he, was. he was dead in the water. Um, although, I mean, I think this really all goes back if there was no WrestleOne split, everyone yeah. would be better off, right? Because, yeah. okay, fine, Kai was there, but WrestleOne still happens, you know. I don't think that would have helped him that much either. So, yeah, um, no WrestleOne split, Kai would have outshone Sonata for sure, Yeah, I think. Kai definitely would have been Triple Crown champion. Yeah. If you had to add one wrestler to either block of champion carnival, who would it be from uh, Big Japan, DDT, and Noah? From Big Japan, uh, Yuji Okabayashi. From DDT, Jun Akiyama. And from Noah, uh, Kaido Kiyomiya. Or maybe Yoshiki Inamura. Because, yeah, yeah, we'll go with Inamura because All Japan is where the big boys play. Yeah, like Inamura, I think, would be my pick from Noah as well. It's either him or, him or Segura because Segura was going to be in the 2020 right. Champion Carnival. 
So I, I still, I don't know. I still hold out hope maybe that we will get that at some point because that would just be awesome. From DDT, uh, I would probably maybe put someone in like Akiyama, yeah, but no. I would actually maybe put on someone like Higuchi. I think Higuchi. Yeah, would be, he would like, be my really second choice. Pick. Yeah, Endo would be a ton of fun. Uh, or Ueno, actually. Ueno, I think, would be like a really good addition to the Champion Carnival. And from Big Japan, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really only going to be like Okabayashi and Nomura, and we already have Nomura, so I'm going to go with Okabayashi for that one as well. I'll give an honorable mention to Kamatani from uh, Big Japan, actually in the carnival yeah, who was supposed to be in the carnival he was supposed to be in 2020 right yeah and he would have been great um yeah. but unfortunately like he's Fumi decided... could be yeah i think kamatani is better than nakanoi yeah um thing is of course kamatani is now sort of uh a guy. <laughs> guy god almighty because they weren't going to make him he's never been strong champ so i don't but think kamatani right he was strong champ. oh was he, he? Okabayashi. they had that big run where like they tried to make him a guy and it didn't work it didn't work so now he's in death matches yeah um if you had to pick toa iwasaki and daimanji so getting a match with shigehiro iria for the gaora title who and why toa iwasaki i mean the man's a prospect and he's only like 22 23 and now he's just got his little like fukuoka like metro area indie with kohei sato um yeah just i don't know maybe that's all he wants to do but he could be so much more yeah, no, that would be my pick as well for the same reasons. I think that actually could be like a really, really good match too. Do you think Osaka Pro is going to be bigger, better than Colega Pro? Uh, well, yes, because Osaka <laughs> Pro has a, it's only 30 minutes, but it's still a TV show in Gayora. Yeah. And like Colega legitimately draws like what? 20 people. 10 people to like the spot. Oh, yeah, it's, it's even less than 20 on those things. Yeah, and it's like, hundred people on a free YouTube. Stream. Okay, I gotta watch this because this sounds ridiculous. But Andy Wu and Ryoji Sai had like a King of Kolega title match and it went 20 minutes, 29 minutes. I mean I like Andy Wu, so 30 minute Andy Wu match. I've seen 30 minute Ryoji Sai matches and they are not pretty. Yes, exactly. That's the bad part here. <laughs> but I'm like it's like a perverse like what is this match going to be like type thing, right? And then finally between burst Kolega Osaka Pro and Vamostar, what's your favorite All Japan adjacent Shindy? Well, I've only seen Vamostar and Kolega of those two. I've not seen any of the new Osaka Pro. And Burst, I don't even think it's televised or even on iPay-per-view or like no, Nico yeah, Nico. I think Burst literally does not make tape at all. Although there's been some cool stuff in Burst that they've run yeah. that looks like yeah. that. But I like Vamostar as the sort of like spiritual successor of Wrestle One. Uh, you've got your like June Tonchos there, but I, he ended up in great now. So, I mean, you can see him there, but like, it's, it's fun, like watching Osama Nishimura come up and get time to do singles matches. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Vamostar is fun. I've watched yeah. a couple of shows. No, I think I have to go with Vamostar as well. Like long-term, it's probably going to be Osaka Pro once, like get to like watch that a bit more. Or, I don't think any of that stuff has dropped. Available anywhere yeah. that's been available to us right no i haven't a couple seen shows. anything either yeah but well, like we'll i've actually seen you know what i've actually on. seen uh pop up which is like a bit more available actually is uh capture i haven't oh, really? seen it but i do know that that has dropped okay that's very interesting it didn't the show with uh, Nomura, Naoya Nomura drop or was that on uh, pay-per-view yeah, yeah that was like twit casting i think oh uh, okay i don't know yeah. 
I I don't know if I want to spend money on a capture international show just for one match. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see the no more match, right? Yeah. So, you know, but uh, maybe anyway. So um, that's it for questions for this week. So when we come back in around two weeks or so time, we'll have uh, a lot of champion carnival to catch up on. Paul, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, well, I hope that Yuma beats Obama, but we will see about that. Yeah. Uh, I like, if you told me gun to my head, I really couldn't give you a, a pick. Like I just don't have a good feel on it, but I think it will tell us a lot of where the tournament goes. Oh, also, by the way, I looked up actually Akira Francesco and Kushida are the same height. Oh, are they? See, yeah. he, I always, I think it's because like Akira's so skinny. Yeah. Yeah. That I think he's smaller than he is. Well, to be fair, I mean, if he now gets on that new Japan diet, he's probably going to fill out. So. Yeah, but he was eating chanko every day in the old Japan dojo. <laughs> and he never, well, I mean, he gained some muscle mass. He I mean, the kid mass, was yeah. really scrawny when he started. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not sure he's getting any bigger than he is now. And to be fair, I don't know when all Japan last like updated his weight. Like he is definitely, I don't think he's 70 kilograms anymore. No, no, That's no, definitely no. not true. <laughs> That's like 150 pounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's no, he's like 160, 170, I think. Yeah. So in, in that case, he's probably like about the same weight as like as Kushida now. So. Yeah. Okay. So maybe he's got a bit more of a chance. I mean, he's, you know, being Osprey's little uh, disciples is obviously yeah. going to be a big help for him. Right. Yeah. Which is what I say about people that are concerned about Takeshi and AEW. Like, look who his number one fan is. No, and I mean, the thing is, like, if we get, like, someone in that is, like, a junior, that is, like, someone that Osprey likes, I'm very happy that it's going to be Akira Francesco because the other option would be Scotty Davis, and I absolutely <laughs> do not want to see that. God it will him. probably happen at some point, and it's going to be bad. He wasn't speaking really out, right? I don't want that. Was he, when, hmm? was he named in speaking out? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, New Japan drops girls, so hopefully they'd have the sense not to touch scotty davis yeah let's see anyway okay well for paul vosh i'm a gerard de and we'll see you in two weeks